Hello, sons and daughters of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. My name's Barney. And me, your other uncle, Dan. I just assumed we're uncles. <laughs> yeah, we're uncles. And um, us uncles just want to say um, welcome to another episode of A Bit Spursy. So pleased that you're here at, at the uncle's house. <laughs> and now it's taken the turn. <laughs> no, we're just a couple of uncles that live in a house. Yeah, just a couple of uncles that live in a yeah. house. No, yeah. that's, that's a Spurs. It's just, if we were two uncles living in a house together, <laughs> I feel like there's just going to be Spurs memorabilia all yeah. over the place. <laughs> yeah. But also, Everywhere. it's not it's not going to be like amazing Spurs memorabilia. Like Mm-mm. it's not going to be like, oh wow, there's a Jimmy Greaves signed. <laughs> But it's going to be like, oh, you've got a Daniel Levy signed Skywalk poster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did the Skywalk. It was awesome. Couldn't get tickets yeah. for any of the games, though. <laughs> yeah. Games are real hard, but we got the Skywalk. We yeah. We got the Skywalk. It was amazing. I tell you what, it's scary up there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if anyone who went over for the cancelled games last weekend, they made the big trip, and anyone's like, well, at least we can do the Skywalk. <laughs> yeah. Or if the club said that to them, they're like, look, look. Thank you so much for coming over. Um, we know you're probably pretty disappointed about the Man City game, even though that was away in Manchester, but let's not worry about the logistics of this. Um, but you know what? Come and do the Skywalk. That'll make it all up for you. <laughs> You'll be able to see all around London and look get a bird's eye view of the pitch like a bird would have when it flies over. Have you ever thought you'd like be like a little bird before? We can make that happen. <laughs> we can make that happen. We can make that happen. And it will happen. only cost you an extra 50 pounds on top of your ticket. Yeah. And we get these prosthetic wings that we attach to your back. <laughs> Look, there's Daniel wearing them right now. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel is just circling the stadium. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm assuming that's probably happened for a few people. Yeah, who, um, yeah, yeah. That's on the ground reporting. Yeah. Um, straight out of the straight out of the North London uh, uh, Skywalk uh, Club. Oh, what am I saying? Yeah, yeah, it happened. Um, <laughs> so um, we've got what well, we've got two games to talk about. Um, do you want to start with the most recent one, or do you want to start with the one before that? So. I, okay, I reckon we normally go chronological and we go, let's talk about this game and then go back. But what sometimes happens is if the the game before was a slightly disappointing one, Mm. we get maybe one minute in and we're like, oh, screw that. We can't bother. Let's talk Mm. about this other one. So maybe let's talk about the most recent one, the the Leicester game first. Great. And then we'll end up trailing back into the sporting game as Mm -hmm. we go along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds good. So what do you, I mean, obviously it was great. Um... A lot of good things happened. There, first of all, there was rotation, um, which everyone was very happy for. Um, yeah, what what, do you, what were your initial thoughts on the on initial thoughts? What were your thoughts on the game? <laughs> um, yeah, a lot, I guess starting with the rotation, I think that was really really exciting. Mm. Um, and this is, I would say, this is the most attacking lineup we've seen, and that not not due to Son being out <laughs> in the rotation, <laughs> but especially with the wing backs having Perisic and Sesny on start. That was, to me, the biggest shock. And I know I've seen some mumblings from other people saying like, hey, there's a chance that if Rashalson was to come in for Son, maybe Perisic would play on the right so that he could cross balls into Rashalson, who's good in the air, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, some people obviously had had thought about this a bit more than I had. Um, Mm. But to me, that was the biggest surprise to see. And yeah, I was really happy to see that rotation happening. Hmm. Um, I thought that, 
I mean, I was very excited to see the rotation happen, but I thought that Perisic on the right sort of, I mean, Conte ended up swapping um, him and Cesc over at one point. Um, and I can't remember, was that just after their second goal maybe? or uh, it, it could have been because it was definitely first half. Mm. Um, I think it was, yeah, re- like five minutes before halftime or 10 minutes before halftime or something. And then when they came out in the second half, they started again in that mm. in that manner. So, yeah, they they did swap. Um, I love the just confusion as a fan watching on TV, like when you're when they swap players, because you're like, oh, hang on, wait, hang on, hey, whoa, <laughs> hang on, wait, have they swapped? Have they swapped, or have they just like, are they just yeah. misplaced from a run, or are they? Oh no, they've actually swapped. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> your stupid little brain can't comprehend. Yeah, the players have like switch sides. Well, the other thing you don't get to see is that like how organically does it? You know, the message goes out swap. Do mm. they then like just behind play? You just see them like casually jogging. Like that would be such a odd thing to see. Or does it yeah. just sort of happen organically? And then once they're over that side of the pitch, they stay there. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I'd love like so. It's either Conte on the sidelines going, "Hey, swap you dickheads," yeah. or he's going. Hey guys, when you have a chance to swap, please switch sides. <laughs> switch sides, come on, you know, just nice and casual whenever you can. At your next opportunity, please switch sides of the field. It's fine. <laughs> I can imagine that it would be the first. Dickhead, come here. You this yeah. side, you that side, go. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it would probably, um, it would it would probably be that. I wonder how much as well, like if, if they plan that stuff before games, they're like, you know, so it's like, look, if things are not going well in this regard, you swap so that mm. the, they they already keyed into it. Mm. So maybe mm. Conte just shouts out like a code word because he doesn't want to, you know, let Lester know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. So just, ah, pajamas. <laughs> and then everyone's like, it's pajamas, pajamas. Pajamas. And then yeah. Poibier's like, wait, does that mean I push up now? Or? <laughs> yeah, wait, no, 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 no. That was Pinata. That's Pinata. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I stay oh, back. I stay back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. Wait for Pinata. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought uh, I thought Sess was pretty good. I can't really remember anything that Perisic did. Um, he he crossed a corner in right that we scored from. Uh, yeah. I- I think it was like the game was just so open when they were on. Mm. And I think that's where maybe we were a little bit exposed because like that Madison goal came from a switch, which was it Justin who pushed up, I think. Um, mm. um, and Cest kind of, he didn't really make an error, but he didn't really confidently deal with the situation and clear it and get rid of it. And mm. then the cross came in and then Madison scored. Mm. Um, so I feel like it just maybe showed that if we do have Cess and Perisic in there, and then we do have just the two in midfield, we maybe are a little bit exposed when if teams then sort of go wide and are trying to really attack against us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, we yeah, yeah, you're right. We did look like a like a sieve, like a yeah, um, a semi-permeable membrane. <laughs> I love the the very the very easy uh, simple analogy, and then into the the scientific one for all the science heads. That... <laughs> all them science heads listening, um, I've got you. Don't worry. Yeah. I'll bring up semi permeable membrane again later at some point. I'll fit it in there. I know how you love it. Plain of both audiences. 
Um, yeah, playing to the stalls and the upper house. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't really remember, which I guess is is good. Like you don't want to be like, you know, they did this, or ultimately, I guess you'd want to remember them for having a good game. But I thought both of them were pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's like it's good for. It's good for like I think it's good to judge players for what they're actually good at and what we know they're good at, and mm. not lose it at them for the things that they're not good at. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's just it's just stupid if you do that. Like, what are your mm. expectations? Um, and you can sit here and go like, "Well, oh, sell everyone and get this perfect hybrid player in for every single position that I mm. want." It's just not realistic, and it takes time to refresh squads. But I think yeah, what we know Perisic really really good going forward, mm. not great defensively. Sessignon, mm-hmm. really, really good going forward. Maybe a little bit more solid defensively, but, you know, that's where the sort of flaws in their games are. Emerson, mm. on the other hand, really not great going forward, but much more solid defensively. Mm. So mm. instead of, uh, I think, us like always complaining about our players not being perfect in every scenario, um, I think, yeah, it is. Because if you've got a player who is perfect defensively and offensively at a, as a wingback, they're like top three, four in the world in yeah. that position. And it's like, maybe we just do need to have players that can complement each other. So then during games, we can adjust as we go along. Yeah, exactly. The uh, it, It's like, you know, in like a coming of age um, movie where the dad's like, why can't you play football? I was a football champion until I, my spine got crushed. Why? And then the kid's like, dad, I'm really good. at. I'm a journalist. I'm going to be a journalist. <laughs> And the dad's always like, you're not my son. That is the <laughs> attitude of every single person on Twitter that, that does that, where it's like, why, why the hell, why the hell is Benton Kerr not heading balls into the back of the net? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, it's like they've seen the the Mighty Ducks. I think it's the third one mm. where they go to college and it's all about like, you got to learn how to play two-way hockey here. It's not just all a fancy triple deeks and everything, Charlie Conway. Mm-hmm. And the whole movie is just about learning how to play two-way hockey. <laughs> like, <laughs> is that the one where they get that new coach who's like kind of mean, but then yeah. you realize at the end that he's actually got a heart of gold and what he taught them was was genius? Yeah, yeah. That's that's basically it. He's the he's the I was gonna say he's the Conte there, but that would then not be accurate to the point we're trying to make with this. Um mm. but yeah, it's just that idea of like, I don't know, maybe fans are seeing something like that as well, and they're like, Well, the mighty ducks can learn how to play two way <laughs> hockey. Yeah. And, and come on, why we can, these adults we have and they can't work it out. <laughs> can you imagine after every game that we lose, it's like all right, that's it. I'm watching Mighty Ducks again. I've got to watch my Mighty Ducks. I'm really, I'm really frazzled. <laughs> Maybe there's a tip in there I can find to put in my dossier that I can send to Conte. Yeah, he'll love to read it. <laughs> and Graham has just been sending dossiers in of just like, and all it is is just scribbling saying two-way, two-way, two-way. Two-way two hockey, two-way two hockey. hockey. <laughs> Great. It's uh, yeah. hey, it's kind of a return of like our NHL guy that we have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, some really great two-way hockey going on. It's really yeah, awesome. Really, really nice stuff. Really nice hockey. Um, we should speak about um, <laughs> poor Davidson Sanchez. Mm. He was awful. Um, yeah. First of all, gives the ball away <laughs> in the middle of the park, then comes back and gives away a penalty. Um, and then for the rest of the game, it was just like, 
every time the ball went near him, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. It's like having Fazio back, except he's fast. Uh, yeah. Um, and I think this also, we should probably bundle this in because this relates to a question that we had on the Discord mm. from Leonardo the dog. The question was, really looking forward to your take on Sanchez. Sorry, but he's not very good. Or is he just trying too hard? <laughs> I love that Leonardo has given us the take that he would like <laughs> out of mm. this as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this? Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> he's not good. Sorry. Here's the answer. He's not good. Um, yeah. yeah I, I think, yeah, that was, unf that was unfortunate. It was a pretty, like, to me, it was a pretty stupid challenge. Oh, it was so dumb. Um, and like, there was like <laughs> the first few minutes of a game, you're going to go like, you don't need to go down there. Mm. Um, I think though it maybe just spoke to like, the openness of the game too that but like but it kind of here's the conundrum because it's like we can't have emerson and davinson next to each other because they're playing the ball out other teams just let davinson have the ball mm. then maybe he tries to play past emerson and they choke it and they get possession and they do that so we can't have them playing next to each other in terms of us playing out mm. we then also it's like we can't have a really attacking fullback sorry wing back next to davinson because then he's just going to get completely exposed when they, when you've got Perisic who just like is bombing forward. Mm. So yeah, I really think now like Davinson, he's such an interesting player in the sense that sometimes he plays well and he does have a good defensive game, but we do then have these lapses that can lead to goals and become pretty, can become catastrophic against certain teams. Mm. And I just wonder now it's like, what is the point of Tanganga? Mm. Because I kind of feel like I would prefer to see Tanganga in ahead of Davinson in these situations. What about, what, what about you? Um, I don't know because the the last time, well, I know Tanganga came on, um, was that at the Marseille game maybe? Um, yeah. But the my only sort of lasting memory of him is when he got sent off against Crystal Palace. And obviously different manager... <laughs> Uh, a long time ago, but I just, I'm like, well, what's, what's the difference going to be? Like, sure, rotate them and see how he goes. Like, I'm not against that, but I guess Sanchez to me, I mean, who's quicker? Who's faster in a race? Uh, it's probably going to be Sanchez. Mm. I, I, I think just, but I guess the way I look at that is I feel like Tanganga is much better on the ball, mm. whereas Sanchez are probably a better just defender, especially if we're facing crosses coming in mm. and, and those sort of things. So, but, but it's like, where, what's more important to us at the moment? And mm. I feel like us playing out is probably more important. Mm. So I would, I would be up for having a sort of weaker defender because like when we can't play out, teams really focus on that and they shut us down mm. and mm -hmm. we really then really, really struggle when teams go, it's like to, every team has just watched all or nothing and they've heard Mourinho talking to Davinson. Mm -hmm. Like, remember when you played Vyax and I Ooh. made you look stupid because uh, yeah. I just let you have the ball in the final and we won. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jose, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, thanks, Gaffer. Yeah, oh, <laughs> thanks. cheers, great. And it's like every other team has watched that, so they're just like, oh, okay, he's the weak Ooh. link on the ball. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that's... I don't know. It's kind of becoming more of an issue. And I know I was defensive defending Sanchez previously, but yeah, I don't know when, if Romero is being rotated out, 
I, I'm getting a bit more cautious of, of Davinson being in there. Yeah. I mean, I, I was uh, very happy to see Romero come on. And if, you know, no hard feelings against uh, Davinson, but if he never played for Spurs again, I wouldn't be too upset. <laughs> resounding (laughs) (laughs) response so um yeah i think it's becoming apparent that like he's you know moving forward he's he's not he's not of the quality that we need in the squad um but i think that's something to address you know next summer Hmm. he costs 42 million pounds yeah it's a lot like five years ago whatever it was it's a lot that is wild and it's like when we paid that that was a lot for mm. whereas now you're like oh that's an that's an average defender <laughs> mm. yeah that's less than ben white yeah <laughs> but now it's like yeah it's like oh, there's no way we're even coming close to recouping that mm. um but yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes like if he's one of the first to sort of move on next summer yeah um yeah yeah bad bad penalty bad penalty but um oh, and how annoying was it when Lloris saves it and then they so really, like, I can't remember the last time. I actually, the other week, I was thinking about how that was happening heaps when that rule came in, and yeah. then it just disappeared. But yeah. oh, it came back for us, so that that was great. Yeah, I haven't seen it being called since like that mm. that came in. To me, it was kind of like being back at school and having like a prefect walking around and going like, "Hey, you've got to tuck your shirt in," <laughs> yeah. and you're like. Just let it go. It's not going to really affect that much here. Mm. Like, no, mm. you better tuck it in or you'll get a detention from me. Yeah. You don't have the power to do that. Well, I will work it out. And it's just like, <laughs> come on, man. Like it had that feeling to it. Like, oh, come on. Mm. Like, mm. and you just knew that Tillemans was going to score the the second yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to miss of two. Of course. Um, I was, before Son came on, I was absolutely going to put Benton Kerr down as our best player. I thought he had such a good game. Yeah, it was awesome. It was bloody awesome. That's all I've got to say. It was awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought he was um, he was good, given that I, I think he would – was it the sporting game or the Marseille game? But there was one where he was he, – he, he played quite poorly. Mm. Um, that's going to happen. Our players are going to play poorly in games. Um, he was he was really, really good. Um mm. Yeah, that's why it's like the first half, I I saw some really like quite negative takes on it. And I think even the commentators might as well have been saying like, you know, that Leicester were the better team and all that sort of stuff. But I didn't really see that because it's, a, mm. again, it's like, um, and this is an interesting sort of stat that came up after the game where I saw that. So apparently um, we, in terms of conceding the number of shots in our games, we're 15th in the league and we're conceding an average of 15 shots per game. Yep. So you look at that as a stat and you go, wow, that's not good. Mm. But then you actually look at the shots and it's like, well, what's the quality like? And we have the best in the league for the quality that we're allowing mm. where the XG per shot is 0.06. So wow. basically we are let, we are encouraging teams to have shots mm. and we're more than happy for them to have shots, but they're not getting good looks at all. Mm. Um, so I think that it's easy then to misinterpret that and go like, well, that team's, they're getting so many shots on here and they're taking so many shots. Like, this is horrible. This is horrible. Oh, if they were better, they'd be banging these top corner. And it's like, that's the whole point is mm. that like, we're having, we're getting, taking poor quality shots because that's what we want. 
We're very, mm. very happy with that approach. So I think that happened in this game as well. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think it was funny that like when you talk about <laughs> shot stats, like a team could be number one in the league for shots, but they could be pumping them from the halfway line like constantly. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have number one in the league for shots. Like, well, um, and it's similar to, <laughs> they did it so many times during this game. They'd be like, well, look at that. Look at those possession stats. You wouldn't believe it, would you? Leicester actually have got more possessions. Like, cool, cool. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, <laughs> how interesting. Like, totally. And, and it's just such this thing that like, it's, it's always left out of these discussions. The thought of, hang on, hang on, hang on. Does this manager want the other team to have possession? So therefore, if the other team has possession, that manager can still be in control of the game if that's what they want. Mm. And it's not just yeah. a defensive thing of like, you know, you, you you don't have possession. Like, well, I wanted that. Just to clarify, I wanted that to happen <laughs> as like a cover-up because it's like, it's well documented that this is the, how Conte approaches mm. everything. That he's more than happy with the other team to have possession mm. in all of these instances. And like you say, it's like, there's just uh, people just look at the stats without putting any context around them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It reminds me of, because the first time it came up, the commentators were like, well, that's actually maybe expected, you know, given Conte. And I was like, oh, but then they brought it up another 7,000 times. And it was only within sort of the phrasing of like, would you look at that? Leicester have had more of the ball. It's like, you said. You said it didn't matter, and now you're constantly referring to it. It's like when um, uh, Son was being rotated out, and the media were like, Son has been rotated out, and then everything, like, there was, like, I think one, maybe that was mentioned in the game, but I'd just seen a heap of it on Twitter, where they're like, <laughs> he was rotated out, just kidding, dropped. He was dropped. He was dropped. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's dropped. And you're like, what? Oh, totally. You can't have both. You can't say the qualifying thing and then be like, but now I'm just going to do whatever I want. Yeah. There's no outrage in he was rotated. Yeah. It's yeah, a very exactly. balanced thing if you're, especially like when they ask, you know, readers for polls and stuff and they're like, do you think Son should be rotated out for a game? Mm. Uh, and people are like, oh yeah, maybe, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, do you think Son should be dropped? And people <laughs> yeah. like, you never drop Sonny. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, drop him, sell him. And it's just <laughs> like this massive divisive thing. Um, but I, I, I think you're right. It's like, we shouldn't expect any better from the Comte's media and all that sort of stuff. But then I also feel like, I don't know, it's starting to just irritate me a little bit how stupid this commentary ends up being mm. because mm. it's like, you know, we have, we often take fewer shots than the other team, but we also, even within that, we often have more shots on target than them. Mm. And it's like, we, we enjoy having the ball and we play riskier passes forward because we know that when they come off, we're resulting in very clear chances to score. Mm. So at very least we're, you know, usually getting shots on target in those scenarios. And we'd much rather have that and have 50% of our shots on target for that reason, rather than having like, you know, 50 shots a game and only getting three anywhere near the keeper. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that stat is one of the very few stats that's available to them to look at. But Again, I think we've said this a million times in this podcast that stats, you can just change them and manipulate them to be whatever you want. And so you can be like, well, they've had less shots, but they have had more shots on target, but they just need to go for it more. They're not going for it. So what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it reminds uh, me that we, um, we saw that 
picture that came up a little while back, which was from a commentator just showing their notes that they go to in a game. And it did look like a year one, like art project, like just pasting together a collage of different things and highlighters and, and writing like, no, he's fast. (laughs) So Um, it is, it is so subjective. Like, and it doesn't seem like they have, you know, like a, a producer in their ear who's actually like, or a stats person who's just like, hey, he's like a really important thing that's mm. happening in the game or some analysis, some, someone, I don't know, giving some analysis off to the side who then is like passing them a note and just going like, hey, I've noticed that like from this, da, 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 this is happening. It's just all just like, yeah. Oh, he's got more shots and possession. They should win. Yeah. <laughs> Here's an interesting stat for you. Last time Spurs played Leicester was a Tuesday. <laughs> no, oh, cool! <laughs> great, 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 great. Yeah, nice. Michael. Um, we're gonna have to have a chat. You're, all you're giving is just day-based stats, and yeah, they're not even really this? stats in your broadcasts. <laughs> yeah, it's a Saturday today, which is actually from the word Sabbath because <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to improve. I think it's like the flaws in our players. The flaws in the commentators are not going to change. No, they are not. Um. The, obviously, the biggest event of this game was Sonny coming on and scoring a hat trick in thirteen minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I think it was interesting because it was like a lot was made of how he looked when he was coming to the stadium and yeah. And it's like, <laughs> okay, let's make a big deal just because he's not looking like happy and smiling, and he's looking mm. like maybe a bit more serious. Mm. Um, and then I think even when he came on. He wasn't like happy, Sonny. He was mm. looking, but I, I didn't take it that he was like, oh, he's really pissed off that he's not no. starting. I took it like he's actually just really, really focused yeah. right now. And even when he scored his goals, he was focused and he was not going to stop until the final whistle. And he was like, "I if I get f- three goals today, great. If I get five, I'm just mm. going to keep going because this is all I care about. Mm. And then his post-match comments where he comes out and all he talks about is, I'm sorry for letting down the fans and not scoring for you previously mm. so it's like this is not a guy who just gets pissed off with like yeah the the manager and he, th- he thanked the staff and the coach so many different times like mm. um yeah i thought it was a one of the most incredible like substitute performances i've seen mm. just in the fact of like all right i'm taking it on the chin that i was rotated out mm. even though i'm the golden boot winner mm. but here's what i've got <laughs> Um, did Jesus score last night? I can't remember. Well, I don't know. I'm pretty sure Jesus did. Damn it. That was such a satisfying stat that there's been so much hype around him. And then Son <laughs> equals his goal scoring tally in 13 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Jesus scored because Arsenal went on, like Arsenal were up 2-0. And then by yeah. that stage, I'm like, ah, okay, I'm not following this anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like... Like, I don't know, how did, how did you feel when that first Sonny goal went in? Oh, elated. Well, when he was running towards goal with, and he was sort of in between two CVs, I can't remember who it was. Um, to me, all the Leicester CVs are just, what's his, that guy's name? Sionchu or something? Sionchu, yeah. To me, it's just three <laughs> of them. And um, I was like, oh, he's blown it. And then the shot is just like out of this world. Yeah. It was one yeah. of those things where you're like, well, he's got a lot of work to do here, Sonny. Mm. Like he's not clear at all. 
Mm. But then it just gets that space. And you're just like any other player. You're like, well, all right. You're hopeful. You're being very, mm. very hopeful to have a ping from there. And then just the way he hits it, it was just like it wasn't a miss hit. It was like perfectly placed. Mm. Like when he hits it, he's not this player who just like tries to smash it and is just a hit and hope type of guy. It's mm. like he just curls it in beautifully. Like it was phenomenal. And then to see the second one where he's like, you know what? Let's go left peg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah why not? Let's check yeah. it on my left. Yeah, go. yeah. And it's just like this guy, it's, it's absolutely insane. And I saw a stat that's from the start of, since the start of last season, Son has scored 13 goals with his right, 13 with his left. That's wild. Which is, in, is mm. ridiculous. And like, I don't think there's a cleaner striker of the ball in world football, who can do it with both feet. Mm. And yes, some players score some goals with their, their, their weak foot, like Kane does and, mm. you know, Lewandowski and whatever. But like Son is just absolutely lethal both ways. Mm. And look, if we have this Son back in our team now, like if Son was playing like this at the start of the season, we would have, we, we, there's every argument that we could have won every single game we played. Yeah. So we're fine. <laughs> this yeah, it's all this good. is good. It's all good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's just not enough hype around how good he is from distance. Like we've seen so much evidence of it, uh, not only in this game, but, you know, I can think of a whole bunch of other goals he scored from like ridiculous positions. Um, but he doesn't really get that tag of like, oh, watch out. Here he comes on the edge of the box. You got He can shoot from there. It's, every time it happens, it's it's sort of treated as like, Oh, wow. He <laughs> like, has done this quite a lot. Um, how did you feel about when we switched to, because I was very happy when we switched to the 5-3-2? Um, yeah. So, sorry, it just threw me off that you said 5-3-2 instead of 3-5-2, even though mm. it's just like the same formation. Just in like, <laughs> But my brain always just like tries to work it out and it stops for a second there. Um, I thought it was definitely like in hindsight as well, the right call for the time. Mm. Um, I'm actually, I'm interested to know your thoughts on it. Um, cause I have some thoughts in the general context of it, but, um, I'm keen to know, cause I know that you on previous episodes have been calling for, a um, to play two up front for a little while. Mm. So what, what, what are your thoughts on it first? I just think it was the right move. As soon as Basuma came on, he played well, but also it just meant that like that midfield of Benton Kerr, um, Hoybier and Basuma is great. Like it's, they're all really strong. You have, um, uh, I mean, they're similar ish players, but there is at least some variation there in terms of their skill set. They can do a great job of shielding the back line. They can be more active than just sort of like, uh, shielding, only shielding the back line. They can, you know, be involved in build up a little bit more. Um, and two up front, I just think makes sense for the players that we have in terms of the options that we've got. Um, and I know you're going to ask me about Kulisevsky and I'm going to say what I said, and that is <laughs> right wing back. <laughs> I'm not going to ask about Kulisevsky. Um, I know you've made your thoughts very, very clear on Kulisevsky. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think definitely in the context, the right move. I like this as an option for us, but I'm personally not convinced of like, this is the way forward. Um, against every single team. Mm. Because I also see like, all right, what happened here? Basuma was able to sit and then Hoybier and Bentenko were able to push on 
and go forward and, and get more involved that way. But I see if that's happening, I don't see us as going with all out attacking wingbacks in that sense, because I think then you would need some more, a little bit more defensive cover if you've got two of those midfielders going forward. So mm. then I would feel like we're probably more likely to see Emerson, which is what happened in this scenario where we had Romero and Emerson come back in. And then that allowed us to sort of switch to that. So my concern is that I don't feel that Kulisewski would necessarily um, fit in there unless he's a much, much better defender than I think he is. Um, and that would just be my my mm. thought. The only other option, I, I think, anyway, this is just all like, we haven't seen it enough. So I'm, I'm just like, you know, I'm just guessing here. But maybe if we were to then say play a more attacking wing back, then the instructions to say Benteker and Hoybier might be not to push on quite as much. And then if their instructions were to sit a bit more, then I could see this working with two attacking wing backs bombing forward and playing really, 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 really high up. I guess I just don't see it happening in both scenarios where you get both like, you know, Hoybier and Benteker pushing forward, plus the wing backs also pushing forward. I just feel like we'd be a bit too exposed. I think it, it would be similar to what was happening at Inter when you had um, Ericsson and uh, what's his name? Starts with a B. Uh, Brozovic? Brozovic. Yeah. Is that who I'm thinking of? Or am I thinking of someone else? Brozovic. Um, where they can both play, you know, in a sort of more attacking position in midfield. But you don't necessarily have to have both of them go forward at once. You can have them coordinate it through um, Patton's TM where you've got one sitting midfielder, one who is the one that's going to push forward for that play or that pattern and the other one that doesn't. And so then you've got cover. Um, and then also like you could play Kulusevsky as uh, um, number 10. Uh, and then you'd have then you would have to have two sitting midfielders like we've got already, but Kulusevsky would just be in the middle. Um, I um, in terms of the defensiveness uh, of Kulusevsky, well, I reckon he's fine. I reckon he could play. <laughs> I reckon he could play centre back. So I reckon he could play goalie. <laughs> yeah, um, and also look, correct me if I'm wrong, but my thought was I thought at Inter Ericsson was playing ahead of Brozovic and Barella. Mm. as opposed to we've got kind of like, well, what we saw in this game was the opposite where we had the DM sitting back and then the other two mm. midfielders pushing forward. Um, yeah. It's like, I'm definitely open to seeing more iterations of this play out mm. and like, you know, would I like to see us? Yeah. If, if we try a Kulisevsky at right wing back in a game, um, Maybe not a high pressure game. <laughs> like I probably, if we went to the North London Derby and did that, I'd probably be a little bit, a little bit concerned. Mm. But if this, if we get some rotation and tinkering starting to happen, um, I just don't know if like Conte doesn't seem to do it, but then he did do it in this game and he did mix it up a little bit. So like, I'll happily admit that I, I don't know if these, you know, formations will work or they won't. Um, but I think I'm still just in the, in the camp of, yeah, I'm, I'm not ready to give up on the three, four, three completely, but I, I do like the idea that maybe we are going to see, I don't know, a bit more dynamic approach to, to how we're setting up in games. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm the same. I've got no idea what I'm saying, but, um, <laughs> in terms of the three, four, three, I am happy to see it. If it means that Kulusevsky plays 
Um, and uh, we don't get the Richarlison song Kane front three. Cause I just think if Kane is not dropping back and then playing like amazing passes in a game, we like in terms of putting stuff together, which we saw in the sporting game, can't really put much to, like we can't get moving. Mm-hmm. Um, our attack kind of breaks down. Uh, so, yeah, and then also, of course, you know, you've got Romero instead of Davinson, and um, yeah, I'm not ready to give up on it, but I, it, I'm just like, well, we need to use it when it's going to work the best that it can, and if it's not, we have other options that they've clearly trained, and yeah. it's like, well, let's use that if we don't have the combination of plays that is best for that formation. Yeah. I, I guess my my concern, I just thought about too, like we've already seen that Kulisewski got benched for like three games. Yeah. <laughs> like when, no Risa- when Richarlison was there and that was with a front three. And mm. it's like there would have been opportunity in those games to go, let's chuck Kulisewski as a wing back at some stage in the games. Mm. And I think just because we didn't see that, I just worry that, you know, even Conte's mentioned in the past, oh, Kulisewski could maybe be a wing back. It's mm. like, I guess I would have concerns of like, it'd be cool to see, but I I don't know if Conte would would end up going in that direction. And I mm. think that if, let's say he started playing more with just two up front, but then he wasn't including Kulisevsky and he was more on the bench, then I'm like, well, that formation then possibly puts Kulisevsky and Richarlison on the bench. So I think that's why it's like, I would love to see how Conte will play this formation and what he actually trusts these players to do. Mm. Um, before getting too on board with it, because yeah, he's a he's a very um, I don't know. It's like he's a very stubborn man, and mm. some things it's very easy to work out what he's going to do, but then other instances you're just like, what is going on here? Yeah. Why is Decky just out of the squad completely? Like, so it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, but I I do like that we are able to have these discussions now rather than. A scenario where it's just like, well, it's the same formation <laughs> for, and Conte's not going to change it because he just has faith that it's going to come good by the end of the game. Yep, yep. Or And it's like, well, his options on the bench, uh, three, he's got three options on the bench, all uh, for their upside have an equal downside. And so it's like, and they're worse than the player that they're going to come on for. Whether, you know, in this scenario when you can bring on Song or Richarlison or Kulusevsky. I think Kulusevsky played wing back in the, was it the Marseille game or the, he, at one stage he came on and played wing back for a bit. And I can't remember which one it was, um, but it wasn't, it was fine. It yeah. wasn't amazing. Yeah. Um, but that's just cause he was warming up. <laughs> well, I, I think of these instances too, like, um, um, I, I like talking about like, cool, how would you set up a team? How would we do this? How do we do mm. that? Like they're interesting discussions to see how different fans would approach things and, and set things up in that way. And they're so much more fruitful than just having like people moaning about like this play is rubbish. That's it. And getting so fixated on like, well, if oh, this play, we've got to get them out of the system. Otherwise we're just crap. Mm. Um, and so I hope that even, you know, this sort of stuff does start getting people not fixated on just hanging shit on a specific player. Oh yeah. Um, mm. constantly because it's like, at least if there is the option of different tactical approaches, then yeah, I think you just get more like rounded opinions of like, well, why don't we could try that because you get this. And I know that there's a downside, but 
it's um yeah i think it's much more interesting as a discussion point yeah i mean the other thing is the the idea of formation is a plan that in when put into action like if you look at uh average position of player in a game it's a mess like mm -hmm. and th there is something that kind of it's like looking at um someone being like look that's sagittarius in the sky that's virgo and you're like what? that's those ones yeah <laughs> those ones are meant to be a a, a man with a horse body are you yeah. serious it's that like they're, they're just like their ideas or their like conceptualizations of what happens but they don't really happen in that way um and if they did happen exactly like that the games would be so boring yeah. um uh, i've forgotten the next thing i was going to say it was about um uh oh yeah Hobier. i think i've said this previously but i just want to restate it that i think my theory is the reason why he cops so much shit is because you can see him Cruyff turn out of defense and then play like a fantastic cross field ball to son and you're like whoa and then he'll also receive the ball uh not realize that someone behind him lose it or play a bad five yard pass and it's like the inconsistency between his best and then an error. So you never know what he's going to, he's, you know, reliable enough. I'm not saying that it's just random, but there is, the ceiling is really high. And the, the, I guess the floor is not that low, but he does move between it. And so then that becomes very frustrating because you're like, I don't know where to put you in the, so I hate you. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I actually quite buy to the theory of um, him just not, aesthetically looking as smooth as other players. Mm. So like you've got Bentico who looks so smooth in whatever he's mm. doing yet. Bentico gives the ball away a lot as well. So, mm. Mm. but I think Hoybier gets picked up on it more because he looks a bit clumsier when he, when it happens to him, but his style of movement is just a little bit more unorthodox. Like he doesn't mm. look, he's not, a, he's not this smooth little caramel midfielder that we have. Um, just that, just, you know, like when you just crack open a little cabri like caramel and it's just the mm. caramel just just flows out beautifully um he's not that and there are a lot mm. of other midfielders in world football which are silky when, when mm. they're on the ball and anything like that and i think he just gets compared to them a lot so i think mm. that his mistakes get blown out of proportion a bit more than other players because it looks like a bigger error yet you know no people want to ignore the fact that he got an assist <laughs> on, yeah exactly i love that there's a smooth caramel midfielder and then Hoibio is like, yeah, I'm a picnic. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I do look like a human shit. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Um, so, but it feels like, yeah, it's, um, if we have, if we do start playing three midfield a bit more and there's more room for, for rotation, it'd just be interesting to see how we do set up that if we do have maybe a Kulisewski come in if we do have like where to skip fit into that mm. um you know what happens like you know when we when we play i think it's gonna be a big test like when we play arsenal i think that's gonna be a big game to see how we set up and mm. then when we play a team like city that would have been a big a big one to see as well so i think when we set go to these teams where we're a lot more conscious of how we're actually going to set up i feel like that'll be really interesting to see the different personnel that are selected Mm. for each of those games mm. um yeah and sort of th what we do there i think i'm just, i'm really impatient to see basuma play uh and play well because i know he's played and he 
had a pretty average game and Conte's made comments, you know, about how he's the one that's struggling to get the patterns and and then, uh, you know, in the press comments after this game, it was funny. It was like he, in the previous one after Sporting, he was like, Basuma doesn't get it. He, just, oh, he doesn't get it. I tried. He doesn't get it. And then after this, he was like, yeah, really encouraging actually. Yeah, he's like really pulling it together. Yeah, I'm going to rely on him. Uh, going forward, probably. Yeah, great guy. <laughs> maybe maybe it's like Basuma came to him after that one. He was like, oh, boss, that was a bit mean, what you said it about me. It really hurt my feelings. You just rinsed me in public and said, <laughs> yeah. I'm, basically called me stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. in a, in a, yeah. I, well, I, I think what he was trying to say was like, he's come in uh, this season, he's still learning, um, and it's going to take a little bit for him to learn the oh, patterns. But instead it came out as, Basuma's an idiot. <laughs> and uh, brought him in, but he doesn't really understand. Um, anyway, moving on. What do you do when someone doesn't get it? Hey, am I right? Yeah. Am I right, media? Ugh. Yeah. I, I find what's what's interesting, though, is that I think before Conte spoke about Basuma at all, you mm. had fans who were getting angry at Hoybier for keeping Basuma out of the team. <laughs> yeah. And they're just like, why? What's Hoybier doing? He's rubbish. You should play Basuma. <laughs> Basuma's there, and it's like that was getting put on Hoybier, and it's like it's not yeah. Hoybier's fault. He doesn't pick the bloody team. Um, yeah. But then when Conte goes, oh, Basuma needs some more time to actually to to learn the system because I'm so intricate in what I want every single player to do, mm. then people suddenly are kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, Basuma, he'll be right in time. He'll be right mm. in time. Oh yeah, it's not Hoybier's fault. <laughs> I love that in that scenario, either Hoybier is picking the team with Conte, or he's like going up to Basuma and being like. You tell Conte that you're feeling a bit sick, yeah. or I'll give you a I'll give you a really mean burn, mate. Yeah. I will I'll grab onto that arm and twist your skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um yeah, it's like is Hoybier the bully of the dressing room? Yeah, that... maybe we, th- we thought he was well spoken, kind, interesting to listen to. Turns out he uses that uh, skill he has in articulation to hurt people. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine this all comes out, this big expose, and then it's like, great, we go back on everything we've said about about Hoybier. That better not happen. It better not happen. Um, I'm I'm actually curious. What did you think about? Uh, what do you think about Kane in this one? Uh, he scored his goal, and then it kind of looked to me a couple of times where Kane was like, "I've still got it. I've still got it. I'm 21 <laughs> years old. Still got it." And then he'd like try and do something that. He just doesn't have the pace to do or like he did play some really good passes, but um, yeah, to me it looked like he was thinking that he could do stuff that he can't. Yeah. I, I feel it's, um, it's, it's like an interesting one with Kane where it's like he, he scored. He also got the assist for Son. Although, oh, yeah. I mean, that goal is so, it's all Son. Mm, <laughs> it's mm. like, um, but yeah, it's like, and this is not a, it's not coming in with an anti-Kane agenda or anything like that. Um, it's like, I think it's good in a sense that I feel like we're still not getting anywhere near peak Kane, mm. yet he still scored six league goals, seven league goals, mm. maybe. Um, and I think that's really good that mm. like in we haven't got the Kane that we've had in previous years where when he's out of form, he just basically turns into this lump of clay mm. that doesn't do anything. Mm. Whereas now it's like, he's still scoring, he's still contributing, even if you'd say he's not like necessarily like dictating games or like controlling games or he, in this game, it's not like you're watching and you go, Oh, Kane's the standout star. Mm. Um, 
going here. But then also, it's good that he doesn't have to do that and we can still get results when we've got these other players coming into the fray. Yeah, I mean, like, he's been, he's just been sort of largely fine. There's been games where he's been a bit, there's been games where he's been, you know, pretty good, but not Kane level. And then obviously we're measuring him against himself. So relative to himself, how well has he played? But then if you're like, well, relative to, um, uh, who's the striker for another team that's terrible? Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, help me out here. Um, um, Neil, I was going to say, uh, uh, what's his face that now plays for Everton, but he scored. So is it Neil Morpé? Yes. Yeah, he scored. So can't say him. Yeah, I, I, I just, I just feel like overall, it's like once, you know, if if Son's back out of his slump and goes through a purple patch, if we've got Kane, um, you know, starting to, to play a little bit better and and stuff again like this world cup is so annoying of where it lands but mm. like once we actually really are playing well like <laughs> this is why i'm so positive because i think we've got such a good framework there and there's so many good players now that we have mm. that we we we're a good team mm. yeah i think uh yeah once that, that i think the danger is that you know you can think well you know all players what what's that saying it's like um form is temporary but class that's permanent um and that they're going to come good but it's also like which was great to see from Sun. it's like well what if they never do again what if this is it like yeah. there's just a huge cliff that they fall off and that's the end um so i think you're right i think they will <laughs> come good but um yeah it's definitely it's definitely, it, it appears to be anxiety inducing for a lot of fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just think there's, I just think we don't have the evidence yet to, to think that it's getting that far oh, no. with it. Yeah. And I know you're not saying that, but like some people go into that and it's just like, well, this is the better. Like, and it's like, I don't, we're, it's still early in the season. It's still relatively early in Conte's reign. Like it took Klopp like three years to win mm anything mm. like even a cup um mm. it took pep i think into the end of his second season but like you know billions of pounds flying around that's not really that difficult so we're still re we're still i think not even a year or just coming up to a year of conte mm. um i really just think it's going to be a better measure by you know the end of this season sort of where we're standing with that and how players are how players are going and and i guess uh, this brings us into something else happened this week. Like, which which of our players would qualify for the North versus South All Star game? Oh God! Wow! How <laughs> exciting! How exciting! So, uh, please talk me through this great idea by our good friend of the pod, Todd Bowley. Um, mm. So, North versus is that just like players that play for teams that are in the North or South, or is it people that are from those places? I think people who play in those teams. So. This came up because Todd was giving a uh, a talk uh, and, and he was being interviewed and he very, I think, naively and in some ways obnoxiously was saying, um, like, you know, oh, the Premier League, it could learn a lot from US sports, really could. <laughs> and it's like, there's so many problematic things to that because it's like, well, do Todd, Todd, do you not remember a year ago, there was this thing called the Super League. Uh, which was pushed by a lot of American owners of the big mm. clubs here. And that was a huge sort of pushback there. So there's one element of that. Two, it's like pushing for this commercialization everywhere and acting like 
is to talking as if like it'll be really good for the football pyramid to get this money in. And it's like these guys spent two three hundred million pounds on transfer. He doesn't care about like Wickham's to like canteen and whether they mm. can serve hot dogs or not. He doesn't care about that stuff. But it's just this very obnoxious thing of coming in, hasn't been here that long, overspent for players all over the place, and is suddenly trying to come up with like, you know, these very sort of like American ideas. And when I say American ideas, I mean ideas that the American sports leagues have used of like how the league could make more money. And so to have like one of his ideas is having an all-star game, which is North versus South. Now, firstly, does he not realize just in England that the North and the South, just people like a lot of them don't like each other. Like Northerners mm. don't love the South. South don't like Northerners. Like there's, he doesn't even understand that dynamic. Mm. Firstly, who wants an all-star game? Where mm. is the all-star game going to be played? Mm. Like, <laughs> at what stage of the season do we go, let's have a game that people don't care about and no one's calling for? And then he's got his other ideas saying, like, the bottom four in the league could have a tournament. And it's just like, what do you mean? Like, in order to get relegated? Or, like, mm. do they get relegated? And then at the end we're like, well, here's a consolation tournament for you to play. Like, it's just so ridiculous to try and go, yeah, look, let's let's take all these ideas here and you could learn a lot from them. Mm. And it's just like, this guy is like nuts, which is why I'm like, there will be like Todd Bowley Super League in like 2025. <laughs> he will be our island man yeah. running. <laughs> like, I just, I can't. So, so like in um, uh, Australia, we don't, the AFL doesn't do a like all-stars Vic versus WA. They tried it and no one cared. Um, and so they stopped. The state of origin here in the league is huge. Um, in America, I know that when they do East Conference versus West or whatever it is, I don't know. If, do they do that in the basketball? Is that a thing? Yeah, they have. They split off into the conferences, but that purely is like working for the, like, well, it serves a couple of purposes. You play teams that are in your conference more throughout the season. Because Mm. they play, you know, 82 games and it's not balanced of all that. Mm. But then also when it gets to finals, they split off into conferences. So you're going to end up getting, in theory, the best team in the East versus the best team in the West. Not necessarily the best two teams in the league for Mm. that year. But they do do, an. it was at one stage an East versus West All-Star game. But then they've done different Mm -hmm. All-Star games where they're like LeBron's mates and like, you know, (laughs) Steph Curry's mates and that sort of thing. But, like, I don't think people really actually care about the All-Star game um, at all. Like, maybe fans are like, they're like, well, the dunk contest can be fun to watch. Mm. So, like, I mean, Todd, if you want to do this, have, like, you know, well, we're going to bring in a free kick contest. Um, <laughs> we're going to have a goalkeeping contest where we f- we fly 100 balls at the keepers and whoever <laughs> saves the most, they get they get a special prize. Yeah, that's right. They get to meet George Clooney. Yeah, <laughs> that that'll be the prize. Everyone loves celebrities. Um, I, I guess the point I'm trying to get to, and you, I know nothing about the NBA, so yeah. correct me if I'm wrong here. But the reason why those uh, it works so well for the rugby league, and why it could work if anyone cared with the AFL here, and maybe why East versus West works in America, is that the players are from the country that they are playing in. And so they have, like, if even if you play for a Victorian team, but you're West Australian, you play for WA when you play against Victoria. So you don't play for the team that where you're based. It's, like, meant to be where you're from, hence the state of origin, because it's where you're from. But 
you couldn't do that in the Premier League because teams would like. Do you then say to all the players that aren't from from England, sorry, no, this is just an all this is just an all English thing. It's um we call it Brexit Cup. Um, so get out, like or. Because then you're going to have players that are from either north or south playing on the side that if you don't do it, that they're not they're not from there. Like I don't get it. Yeah, he's well, an idiot. Well, in <laughs> well in the American leagues, it's not based on where you're from. It's what team you play for at that right. time. And there's a lot of movement around teams, so you can like move all over the country very very easily. So it's always based on where you are actually playing. Oh, um, okay. So, because yeah, if it was just based on where you're from, this is based, then this would, this North versus South would basically be like an, in, like it's all English players like mm. in the league mm. doing that. But just to think like that, like, you know, Kevin De Bruyne playing for Manchester City wants to strap up in like a North versus South Premier <laughs> League game and actually cares. Mm. Like he doesn't care. Yeah. Do you think Harry Kane would give a crap playing for like South versus North in the league? Like it's just. It's just so ridiculous, but it's just like, yeah, how can we get more money out of this? How can we get more money? Uh, come on, come on, let's come up with some ideas. And it's oh, just I like, just, I love so, the fact that he's like, God, the Premier League really needs some more cash. That's what it needs. Yeah. <laughs> that really needs that cash. Um, and all I care about is the football pyramid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, well, like you said, like, oh, why did you overspend? And spent two hundred and fifty million pounds on players. Why didn't you donate some of that down to the football pyramid um, before you then sacked the manager that you bought those players for? Yeah, oh, you didn't do. But you didn't do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like, mate. At the end of the day, you are from an investment company. Like mm-hmm. you're representing investors here, and that's what you're after. You're after return. So I understand why you're saying these like stupid ideas for financial gain, but don't be like, oh, this can benefit the pyramid. <laughs> 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 it's like it's it's just crazy it's it's absolutely crazy yeah god it it is so good though that they've gone from um it's like if abramovich was like a wasp or a hornet then <laughs> todd bowley is like um one of those um you know they're not even proper house flies they're like weaker than those and they just eat shit um <laughs> <laughs> it's like still really annoying don't like him but it's just a different kind of dislike, keeping it interesting, you know. Yeah, uh, he's and he's done very well to be to become in and just be that shit eating fly. It's incredible. It's incredible the amount that we've heard from him already. Like most owners, you don't hear from. They yeah. they sort of keep a distance from the football. You know, they're doing stuff behind the scenes. But with him, it's like I'm I'm surprised I don't know what he had for lunch today. Like it, it's ridiculous. It's 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 ridiculous. And also just the way that and I know we talked extensively about sacking uh Tuchel last episode, but the way that they're like, well, you know, to celebrate our 100 days in charge of this new club, we're going to sack our manager. <laughs> and it's like the fact that when they put it out they're like Oh, the first hundred days has been a lot of change and stuff. It was as if it was just like praising this revolution. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> what are you even talking about? So I think we're going to get, I, I, it'd be interesting to see whether Bolly takes this because he's had backlash about this. Mm. Um, and, you know, some people were like, oh, it's just because he's American. If he was not American, he wouldn't be getting that backlash. And it's like, no, no, but the maybe there is a point to the American thing, but it's not just because he's an American and there's xenophobia towards an American having ideas to bring in here. It's just coming in and just going, you can learn a lot from what we're doing <laughs> and having no 
understanding mm. of the context of what you're saying. So I wonder if he is going to eventually step back and go, oh, you know what? I'm actually going to chill out a little bit, learn mm. the ropes of the league, give myself more time before I come back out with some nonsense. Or if he's just going to double down and we're just going to see like, you know, some ridiculous like other ideas coming out. Well, well, hear me out. Let's let's have a 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th playoff cup middle of the season. Winner gets an extra two bonus points uh, to take through, uh, you know, to try and go for those European places. Like, are we exactly. going to get that sort of stuff coming yeah. up? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you can actually spend those bonus points at the Premier League shop. And you can get yourself <laughs> not team merch, just Premier League merch. What do you think about yeah. that? Premier League, we're, de we're developing a lot of Premier League merch. And what <laughs> that is going to do is that's going to help the football pyramid because <laughs> there are some Premier League fans who would love to buy a cap with a little logo on it. That little lion is very powerful. <laughs> I'm scared of him. Every time I look at that lion, I get a little bit afraid. <laughs> so to clarify, you can either keep your bonus points as the team or you can go and buy a cap that you can then wear and maybe scare yourself with the lion. Yeah, or if you're a goalkeeper, wear the cap during a game, and then the strikers will be like, I don't want to go near a lion. There you go. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, how was your day at work? Well, I came up against a lion, so I stopped playing and came home. <laughs> it's a great idea. It's a great idea. Let's just be open to ideas, guys. <laughs> yeah. All I'm asking is, you know, I get it. I'm an American. I'm coming in having ideas. You know, I understand that, you know, you might have some kind of prejudice against me, but just listen to me. Listen, hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. What we're going to have at the end of the season is a first versus 20th game. Yeah. And loser gets relegated. <laughs> loser gets relegated. If 20th wins, they don't get the title. They've got to then no. play every other team in the league in a knockout series. And then if they win that, they win the Champions League title. Like, Todd, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the same league. Just be open. Just be open to ideas. Just be open to the ideas, guys. Um, I My piece of news that I was looking up earlier that I got distracted by, I feel like this is a good, now that we're sort of on a bit of a, a bit spursy news roll, um, I noticed <laughs> um, that uh, at the after the game in the press conference, Antonio Conte said, um, he was like, good, good evening. <laughs> Good evening. Good afternoon. <laughs> Good evening. Good afternoon. But like by my like Londoner, what two, nine hours ahead, and it, that would have been at four five a.m. our time, let's say. So mm -hmm. then it's like it is evening, right? Yeah. When he said it. So I my theory. So, yeah. so my the my theory is that he um said good evening and then you remembered um you know emery going good evening and was like then he was laughing about that he wasn't actually laughing at the time he was remembering how funny it was um and he was like oh my god i've done it um which is when i say it's funny it's my favorite moment maybe ever yeah wait the the unai emery one or conte laughing about the, that no no <laughs> both no the unai emery i watch it all the time it right. just is so, I love it. I just love the way he says it. And now just for context of the Udai one, what was, what, what was the context around that? Cause like, I remember the clip of like him saying it, but I don't remember like what actually happened leading up to that. I'm pretty sure it was a post-game interview in the mixed area in the tunnel. 
And they gave him the microphone and he just was like, good evening. <laughs> and he just said it in a funny way. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like he was hosting the show. <laughs> but he, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I imagine that if like, if managers could, because in so many other like areas and industries, like you get play, you get people who go, cool, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I'm going to start a Twitch stream. I'm going to start this. I'm going to start that. Like could a manager go, you know what? I mean, like, legally, I assume they can't, or maybe they just haven't been interested to do it. Could they go, you know what? I'm going to start my own tunnel series or my own interview for the tunnels. So like, you know, do you get like Conte who just goes, um, Hey everyone, remember to subscribe to my Twitch and YouTube <laughs> and we're going to have some great tunnel interviews coming up next week. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually probably more paratici thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be so. Would you rather fight a pig or an angry bear? <laughs> oh, ne neither. Answer. Neither. Oh, boss, I'd like to chat why I didn't get on the field today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shut oh, up. Once again, Kulisevsky <laughs> happy with the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think maybe they'd lost. I think maybe they'd lost Arsenal as well. And I just love the idea that's like, so, Unai, you lost 6 0 today. What do you have to say? Good evening. <laughs> it's like such a dumb. <laughs> That's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's good. Um, should we uh, do our votes? Yeah, I think we should do the votes. Um, because I guess we don't care about the sporting game, <laughs> really. <laughs> I mean, we. It was crap. It was bad to watch. I fell asleep. So. Yeah, I think, look, the the only thing I did want to say about the sporting game was I feel like, because um, I, I did look into a, quite a few things after this, that um, there was this, it's just this assumption that it's like, wow, this team is from Portugal, they're crap. Um, and you saw, I put up a, a tweet which just said, hey, we mm. lost away in a Champions League game, it's okay. And then mm. I got a barrage of responses from people <laughs> like, oh, what, mate, so you like losing? You're saying losing's good. <laughs> You're saying we should lose every away game, and that's wrong. And I'm like, absolutely not what I'm saying there. But uh, we need to give credit to the opponents that we're playing in the Champions League because this is the Champions League, yeah. i.e. the Champions League. So we're playing good teams from places. We're not playing rubbish teams. This is different to, like, we go Conference League and we're like, we're playing the seventh-placed Moldovan team. It's like, well, we should probably expect to beat them. Mm. But Champions League, we're going to come up against good teams and we can't just expect to go to go over to Portugal and like, you know what, Sporting, we're just going to smash you at your place. Mm. Um, there are good players there. They set up well. And I think we just need to give a little bit more credit for that because this led me into a, um, I did like a little bit of research into how many points you actually need to get through in the Champions League. And it's not as many as you think. And it's like from, you, you really only need like nine or 10 to get through in second place in your group. So, mm. and I'm not saying we aim for that, but I looked at the last seven seasons and all the teams that got through from the Champions League and like you get some teams that get through on seven points. Some obviously you get like 15, but even the best teams have losses. So mm. there was this massive outrage about that result um, as if it was shocking. It shouldn't happen. We should walk all our games. And it's like, no, like let's have respect for the competition and we're not going to win everything in there. And that's fine because the, the best teams do that as well. Yeah, exactly. There's always like uh, results where um, someone like PSG loses to 
Spartak Moscow or whatever, um, who are not in it. Are there any Russian teams in it this year? No, I think they they were all they were all banned. And mm. I was just gonna say, mm. even on, on that point you said there, um, Madrid won it last season, but they lost a group stage game at the Santiago Bernabeu to Sheriff, who we played, <laughs> I think, in the conference league, the Moldovan champions, and they lost that at home at the Bernabeu. Yeah. Yeah, they won the competition. So it mm. happens. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because we either, we either swing between two cringy things. So it's either um, we should be absolutely rolling over sporting. That's ridiculous. How did we lose? Stupid game. I hate it. To if we lose to Bayern Munich 7-2. That was embarrassing. Maybe that's a bad example. But like we lose to a, <laughs> a, a global superpower of football. Then we're like, well, that's why you play in the competition. That's yeah. why you play. So you can play those teams. <laughs> it's like, well, that's... Insane too. Like yeah. you can't have it both. You can't be like, be like, well, we should give respect, and then <laughs> lose to uh, PSG and be like, it's all right. So like, no, that's just your perception of what the team should be doing, which is completely <laughs> unrelated to what the team can and cannot do, and the result of games. Definitely, and it's like you've got to appreciate the dynamic nature of football that. The, the, the smaller team needs to be able to have hope of beating the bigger team to make it interesting mm. and entertaining mm. and captivating to watch. Which is why if we play a Madrid, if we play a Bayern, we have some hope that we can beat them. Being the squad that's not quite up at their level, we have some hope that we can overtake and get a really good result against them. If we had zero hope, we would not watch those games. Mm. So if we're going to like have that as something that we believe in, we need to then look at the flip side and go, are the teams that we perceive to be lower than us have hope of beating us and it's mm. possible for them to do so, which is mm. what makes it interesting. Mm -hmm. And it just seems that always is just like, you know, forgotten about in the sort of outrage around results. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. 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 You can't always win because then winning's not special. Winning's not special. And look, <laughs> you might get criticized for that. Like, it's like, oh, that's just stupid cliches. But it's like, honestly, though, like, honestly, like, you know, there's, um, there's entertainment to come, to come from like having a loss against sporting. And then it's like, well, all right, what happens when we play sporting at home? We've really got mm. to beat them now. That makes that mm. game more enjoyable to watch because we're like, oh, all right, this really is a must win game mm. rather than like, oh, it's another game we've walked. Oh, we've walked all our games. Oh, we probably should walk this one too. Oh, who cares? Yeah. yeah, and then we play Villarreal in the um, round of 16 and get smashed. Yeah. <laughs> what? We walked the group. Yeah, we walked the group. That's where we should get through. Like, didn't we, when we qualified and, and when we got to um, the final, I'm pretty sure that was the one where we just scraped through because maybe like Inter were in our group and they drew instead of winning mm -hmm. against a team that they should have beaten. And mm -hmm. then we scraped through and like just qualified and then went on that run. Like when Liverpool won the Champions League in that same year, they won three games and lost three group games. Um, again, I'm not saying let's go out and try and lose games, but um, sounds like that's what you're saying. Well, then maybe that's what I am saying. I want us to lose every single game we play. <laughs> wow! To experience pain. Wow! Oh my god, you're a football terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've just noticed we haven't answered um uh, two questions. Okay, yeah. So I'm going to do them real quick. All right. Dan, will Conte's wagging finger now have the power to overturn all our offside goals? Is this a new tactic? And if he wags two fingers, does it mean we get a bonus goal as well? 
Okay. For the second part of that, I like the idea of if you wag two fingers, you get a bonus goal because mm. that fits on Billionaire's Island. Yeah. And that <laughs> is what we're all working towards. So I like oh, that. <laughs> I, I should say this person's uh, Ranfi241193 on Discord. I wonder if you rearrange those uh, numbers and letters, you get Todd Boltley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go on other teams, <laughs> uh, podcast discord servers, and I'm going to start putting in my ideas and I'm going to imagine that if this became this big, like misinformation thing, like, like Trump, the Trump campaign and like, you know, creating all the Facebook groups of like, cool, we're going to get this messaging out and start infiltrating that. If Todd Bolly was actually getting on all these servers and like, hey guys, what do we think about an all-star game for uh, the teams? Isn't that really cool? Thanks, guys. Love Ted. <laughs> He's like, damn it. I wrote my name. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so do you remember what was this in relation to for the, the wagging uh, finger? When Sonny's goal got called offside. And then Conte was just like, there was a shot of Conte like wagging his finger, being oh. like, no, 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 it was onside, it was onside. And then <laughs> it was onside. Um, and he had this little cheeky grin. So it's, I guess the question is, does Conte have a magic finger? Uh, and what can he do with it? I love the idea that if he wags two, they're like, don't put the second one up. That's not fair. And he's like, yeah. here we go. And then <laughs> wags two. It's like, does Conte just get that power just like eternally? Or does he have like a few a season that he's allowed to, like, you know, in, um, well, it's, it's not really the same, but in tennis, how it's like, you get a certain amount of challenges that you can, <laughs> although you, I mean, you don't get to just overturn the decision, but imagine if they brought that rule in where it's like, um, all right, all managers. Now you've, we're giving you five chance cards here. And what you can do is you can overturn any decision you like in the season by playing one of these chance cards. <laughs> you only get five, though. Use them wisely. Oh, God. Oh, God. I can imagine that happening. It He's challenging. He's challenging that one. He's challenging. And that means it's, uh, Harlan's hat trick has been overturned because we've played all three of our challenge cards against City. <laughs> Actually, that's why everyone just play the cards against City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's it. So this is a good yeah. this is a good rule to bring City back into the like into the pack. Mm, yeah, yeah. Everyone equalize. Um, yeah, great, great question. Great. I, I think you're really onto something there, uh, Ranfi. Yeah. If that's how you say, it. I'm sorry if it's not. Um, and apologies if we have just completely bastardized your question there. Mm, from mm, that. But I think you're onto something. Keep on investigating yeah. this. Watch for the next time that Conte wags his finger. We'll see if there's any kind of world event. Yeah. Um, Barney, I'll then, ask you the the, the remaining oh, question great. that we have. Yep. Um, from uh, from Gunner, um, who I've just realised Gunner, not to be confused with Gunners in in that sense, but uh, ah. uh, Gunner, very active on this. Good. Um, mm. Very lovely. Uh, I've seen more complaining about Emerson on Twitter, but it led me to a thought that I wanted to ask you guys about. Because Emerson is so good defensively, is there a future where he moves to centre-back when Spence is ready to take over right-wing-back full-time? What are your thoughts, mm. Barney? Um, yeah, I mean, you've already said the, you know, address the, like, the Twitter uh, rage against Emerson. It's, like, similar to if we swapped jobs for a day and then yeah. people are like, we need this graphic design done, Barney. We need it done by five. And I'm like, Burn, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I'm giving it my best shot. But it's like, well, he's not, we didn't buy him. We didn't buy him to play as a wingback. He's good defensively, which is what we bought him for to play at fullback. 
Um, could he play at centre back? Don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I've yeah. never thought about that before. Yeah. What, about, what do you think? Well, it's it's like I do like the thought behind the question. Um, mm. because yeah, like finding a way to get Spence in in the team and also like Spence more game time in that sense, but then also trying to deal with this Sanchez scenario. Um, mm. I wouldn't be against it for a game to see, but I guess that to my knowledge, I don't know if Emerson has ever played center back, uh, for any of his time in Spain or previously. Um, mm. but we could find out. It's like, no, he actually did play like, two games for Barcelona at center back. Um, in his three weeks that he was there. Um, <laughs> I'm not, ag I'm not against the idea. Um, but, and I think it, it, he's, he definitely wouldn't work in my mind in like a two, if we were playing two at the back, but with three mm. at the back, it's like, you know, if Romero's out, would, would, would I mind seeing Emerson in there? Sure. Let's chuck him in and see what he can do. Um, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting. It could, it could end up being an absolute catastrophic failure <laughs> uh, or it could work or it could work. I wonder whether he, I was just looking up his height. He's 181 centimeters. I wonder whether he'd be too short. Well, if Lissandro Martinez can play for <laughs> at five foot nine for Man U, yeah. I guess he fits the brief. <laughs> um, I'm sure he can't be shorter than Davies. Oh, that's true. Let me have a look. How how tall is uh, Daddy Davies? Um... This actually, I, I do love this game of just like how tall players are. Um, because, well, after the sporting game, you know, there were some comments about, um, Marcus Edwards and, you know, he's very, very short, but looking up, he's five foot six and mm. I didn't realize Kante is five foot six. Um, Ryan Fraser, I think it's Ryan Fraser is five foot three. Um, and like Lanzini for West Ham, I think is five, five or five, six. So I was wow. like, oh, there are actually quite a few players who are like five foot six and under in the league that I didn't realize uh, mm. that there were. So, you know, Mark said was at yeah. five, at five, six, tall enough for the league. There you go. Well, you won't believe this, Dan. You will not believe this, but Ben Davies is exactly the same height as Emerson Royal. Really? Mm-hmm. They have the same height. Well, there we go. I'm also just surprised, like Davies, he looks smaller. <laughs> mm, mm. But I think that's because Romero and Dyer are huge. Yeah, Dyer surely has to be like six two ish. I would have said. Um, yeah, and and I don't. I'm not going to make you start googling. I'm every looking. Single I'm player. looking. <laughs> um, I think maybe because like Emerson, he's quite. Uh, I don't want to like. He's quite. He's quite long limbed. Mm. So it's like he looks. Whereas Davies is like a, a bit more compact. Mm. Um, mm. and so I think it just looks like Emerson might be a bit taller, but. Six two. He's six two. Dyer? Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And as we've spoken about previously, Pierre Milhoybier is seven foot eight. Yeah. <laughs> From all the pre match sorry, the post match interviews. Yeah. Yeah, he is terrifying in those. Like he just <laughs> he's so big, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's really interesting that like when uh I th I think we um this sort of some stuff came out about this recently of Conte does prefer taller players 
similar to like Mourinho, Mourinho would refuse mm. to buy any player that's under six two or something. Mm. Um, but I think Conte does does sort of prefer taller players in his squad, uh, and that's regardless of whatever position it is. Mm. So I wonder if yeah, any of our short maybe maybe he actually really liked Lacelso, but he was just like, nah, too short. <laughs> too short. Great on the ball. Too short. Too too short. I can't I can't deal with that. Maybe that's why Hill that. isn't getting a chance. Oh, and he's short. he's just like, oh, Brian Hill is fantastic. Beautiful player on the ball. <laughs> too short though. <laughs> too short. Antonio, give him a chance. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> Antonio, you're actually kind of short. Yes, I know. Yeah. This is the battle I'm fighting all my life. I refuse <laughs> to have a short player in my team. Everyone is huge looking at these heights. Everyone is huge. Yeah. Um, Lucas Moore is the short, uh, you know, predictably the shortest. But everyone else, like Fraser Forster is two metres tall. What's he, like six, seven? Yeah, must be. Wow. Bentinker is is six two. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're big guys. <laughs> these are big dudes. These are big. It turns out these athletes are big. <laughs> I thought he said. I thought you were going to go like, oh, Lucas Moore. He's short, six foot three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like you wouldn't have guessed it. You really wouldn't yeah. have guessed no, it. You wouldn't have. Uh, yeah, no, no. But yeah, no, they're all massive. Um, all right, should we do the medal votes? Yeah, I mean, we could just go keep going through the heights of play, the, heights. the rest yeah, of the squad. I mean, uh, that was great. That was so interesting. What's Paratici's height? What's Paratici's height? Yeah, let me find out what Paratici's height is. If this comes up, that's going to be really weird. Like, why would you need to know how tall he is? Um, but if, it, if it's coming up anywhere, it's coming up on our website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're the only people who would have looked up. But I do wonder <laughs> if you if you start typing into Google and it comes up with, like, the predictive searches, if you mm. just, like... Um, Paratici, if the next word it starts automatically filling in, instead of transfers, <laughs> instead of success, anything like that, um, it just comes up height as the prediction. <laughs> so apparently, according to a website called um, Celebs Age Wiki, um, sounds Paratici, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, Paratici is 176 centimeters. Um, okay. So there you go. So it's at five ten ish. I was really hoping there that it's like, oh, actually at, at paratici.com, his own website, <laughs> it says, you know, Fabio Paratici, 16 feet tall. Tall. <laughs> and that's why he's a good negotiator. <laughs> <laughs> he blocks out the sun. He blocks out the sun. It's like no one ever negotiates with him in person because he always just does everything over Zoom. Um, yeah. or it's all over the phone, but he's just always there. It's like, now listen, do you want me to come down there? My 10 foot tall figure. <laughs> and then we talk about this deal or are you happy to uh, give me for the, the right price? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you'll kill all the plants if he comes yeah. down here. Yeah. He'll block the sun out. Well, we better, we better just sell, 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 sell. <laughs> Fabio, please don't, don't. Please don't come down here. <laughs> yeah. That is, uh, yeah, all part of uh, Paratici law. Mm-hmm. There you go. Add it to the book. Add it to the book. Add it to... And that is official Paratici canon now. Yeah, 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 great. Uh, votes, yes, sorry. Let's vote, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Abit Spurs and Myrtle Man. Who will get votes? Who will get votes? 
playing pretty poorly. The most romantic medal in sports. Uh, do you want me to go first? Uh, yes, yes, go. Cool. Son, 10. Um, <laughs> uh, Benton Kurt, uh, 9.6. Um, and then coming in um, just behind them uh, is the one and only Hugo Lloris with um, 8.7. Mm. All right, Hugo. What was the... What was the main... Was there a... Oh, there was a save that he pulled out, wasn't there? Yeah. This ridiculous save he pulled out, yeah. Mm. Which he seems to be pulling out like a ridiculous save a game now. Mm. Pity his feet are just absolute concrete blocks. That um uh, vote... He did do a one really good save, but that's trying to also reward him uh, for how good he was against Sporting. Oh, uh, yeah. And he had that ridiculous save where he mm. went, went to his right. Mm. Oof. Yeah, it's it's really interesting with Hugo because you're just like he's if only he's ah, like he's he's incredible, but it's like if only his feet were just as good as his hands. Mm, mm, mm. Although then he'd be the best keeper in the world. So that's yeah, true. Yeah, that's, fair. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, I'm not playing this. <laughs> the game that I said we should not play with players. <laughs> you're not going to play it. No, cool. I'm not going to play. It. Um, okay. Yep. Son ten. That has to be. Has to be. You join me in the ten, the ten zone. Well done. <laughs> Finally, I've crossed over, and now the floodgates are open, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm going to be like, you know what, Alan Dixon, the cl- the player liaison who brings him up to the lino, ten, ten. <laughs> so once you break it, you can't go back. Uh, ben Tucker gave eight point eight. Um, nice. I thought he was really, really, really good. And that goal, like we've seen that he is an incredible, like aggressive presser. But this mm. is the first time I think we've really actually seen it result in him getting the ball back. Win, oh, sorry, winning the ball and scoring. Mm. I'm also, I feel like from the first Son goal, maybe it was a result of Benteker like winning it back with two tackles to win it and then passing it off as well. Um, but like, oh, it was so good to see him score. And I, I didn't realize that he was such a non-scorer. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's got like three professional goals ever or something like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but that was so nice. And like this aggressive, annoying presser for other teams is so good. Um, it's so good. I actually, I gave, Con- I didn't, I, I think we were doing like you know, Conte fixed in this. Mm. Um, but I gave Conte a 9.2. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> where it's, it's just like, I feel Conte's, he's never, we've never seen him really act really this like proactively in games and mm, the changes mm. he made i thought it wasn't just hopeful of like let's chuck son on it's like let's change the shape to do that i need to switch the, the wingbacks i need to do this and then i need to then i can bring son on and bring that space in and do that so it was like it everything seemed really cohesive with all the changes um, mm, mm. and i was it was the first time i was like oh i'm really really proud of conte's in-game work when previously i think even against sporting he made one sub or something <laughs> like just... yeah 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 totally i also love the way he celebrated every single one of son's goals like like he celebrated like <laughs> another basket of chocolates in the easter raffle yeah. another one for this family <laughs> can you believe it <laughs> it was hilarious it was so good um yeah so those right. um, those votes 
gorgeous. Um, well, I genuinely need to go now. Um, yeah. So, well, I, I was I was just going to say we've got the international break now. Yeah. Um, I know the next league game is Arsenal. Mm. Um, but I don't think we've actually. I th- I don't know if we've got any cup games. Um, in that time, I don't think we've got anything. No, the next one is Arsenal on the first of October. Mm. And then it's back to an absolute chaos schedule. Frankfurt, Brighton, Frankfurt again, Everton, Menu, da 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 da. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of a break yeah. now, which feels weird. Yeah. Maybe just scrap the internet, scrap international friendlies now when we've got the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, you you would think that that would be the thing that you would do, but uh, no, 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 no. We must play them. Yeah, we must play them. And I guess all the international managers are like, oh, it's so crucial for us. It's so crucial. It's like, well, your players are going to arrive to you injured because of this. Yeah. 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 The Brazilian police are going, yes, we'll get, we'll get Romero this time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be waiting for him. Yeah. Um, um, all right. Well, I've been Barney. I've been Dan. And come on, you Spurs. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.